And welcome in. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. The regular season beginning Wednesday, October 19th in Detroit. We are all set to do this thing for real. The Magic 4-1 and one on the preseason. They'll start things out on the road. Detroit Wednesday. It'll be Atlanta on Friday. And then the home opener comes up Saturday at Amway Center with the Boston Celtics in town. And with that, I am joined today by a mentor, a colleague, and a friend of mine. He's Mark Champion. He's the pride of Muncie, Indiana, of course, the radio voice of the Detroit Pistons since 1989. Some Floridians may remember his time here in Tampa, the former voice of the Buccaneers as well. And he's back for another year on the call. I think Rick Mahorn is going to be by his side once again this year, but I'm not sure. Rick doesn't return any of my texts. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yes, you will. <laughs> yes, yes, you will. Yes, and Mark is very excited about that, as you can tell. Mark, how many seasons? I, I, I can't do that math. I don't have my abacus on me. How many seasons now is this with the Pistons? Uh, this will be 29. 29. Yeah, back in the day, I, I started out, I didn't do a full schedule. I was doing Detroit Lions, and and uh, uh, back in those days, the t- television was a little different. For the Pistons, there were two different outlets, and uh, so – uh, I didn't start doing uh, the full 82 until later on, but uh, I've been doing the games for that long. Well, I wanted to pick your brain. I learned so much just from producing the broadcast uh, alongside and hosting with you and Rick. It was what three, three seasons and change that I was there in Detroit. Um, first and foremost, 29 years. And I know Mark that for the last 15 or so, <laughs> There hasn't been a whole bunch of success right. to get excited about. How do you stay right. motivated year after year? It's it's late January. It's another one of these rough seasons. Sacramento's in town. They're not much better. How do you get up for a broadcast? Well, I mean, you're a professional. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I enjoy what I'm doing regardless of, you know, I can't control anything the team does on the floor. Yep. Uh, I haven't missed a shot uh, in my career. I'm 100%. Zero for zero. So I can't control any of that. Uh, What I can control is trying to paint the picture for the fans and bring the best possible broadcast without being a, quote, homer to where you just ignore uh, some of the negative things that are going on. I mean, our our fans, as you know, working here, our fans in Detroit are are, uh, amazingly uh, tuned in to to the sports world. Uh, You can't fool them about anything. Uh, So, you know, you have to be honest. And uh, that's always been my mantra throughout my broadcast career is to be honest, but to also understand I work for the team. So there are some uh, parameters within there, but it hasn't been a problem. You know, the interesting thing, last year, uh, even though we only won, what was it, 23 games, uh, it was an interesting year. It was an entertaining year. We had a lot of young kids, Cade Cunningham's uh, rookie season. We were very competitive. Uh, we didn't get blown out of hardly any games. We we're in it into the fourth quarter, and we just didn't win. And the fans, however, uh, started, uh, there was a little buzz, uh, late in the year about this team and the fans started, uh, their interest levels peaked. And so that's helped lead into this season, especially with the addition of Jaden Ivey and, uh, and Jalen Duran. So, uh, so it's, it, it's a little different than some teams that are just bad and they're not going anywhere. This team has 
so-called, you know, they hit the rock bottom and now they're back on, on the way up with a lot of young talent. Does it almost feel like when I was there, Mark, it was very hard to get the fans motivated because like you said, there was, you know, they wanted to see something and it was a lot closer to those great teams of the, uh, of the uh, early 2000s. Is there, is there almost a, let's temper the expectations a little bit, um, you know, coming from the organization or, or at least from some people in the know it's yes, it's a very exciting young team, but young is, it can be the operative word there. It's, it's going to have to take some time. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're not going to win an NBA championship and we're not going to be one of the top four or five teams in the league, but uh, are we going to be more competitive? Certainly hope so. Uh, you know, we got to stay healthy. As you know, the Orlando Magic last year, I was just ridiculous. What was it? Almost 500 games lost yeah. due to injury. It's just it crazy. So uh, that'll be a key for this team. And just continuing to progress. Uh, that's the thing. They're, they're, I mean, our team, just like your team, very, very young team. And uh, the one thing Troy Weaver did this offseason is that he did add some veterans. Uh, he felt like perhaps they went a little too far uh, with with the young players. Uh, so they've added Bogdanovich and, and Alec Burks and, and Kevin Knox and Nerlens Noel. Of course, Corey Joseph is still here. So that's a pretty good core of, of veteran players to go along with these young guys. And, and I, I think it's a nice mix, and we'll see if it works. Yeah, having that balance is always uh, important. You can't, you can't have – all kids. Um, and, and certainly I feel like Corey Joseph has been, has been sort of one of those voices having a guy like Dwayne Casey, obviously I think can sort of accelerate the growth. Let's do some real quick inside baseball broadcasting. I remember back in the day, Mark, uh, Detroit sports, one Oh five, one greater media, those studios, Jim Brandstetter, oh, yeah. right. He gets the nod as play by play for the university of Michigan. And I set up, I think I got him on the phone and we, uh, you came in and you, you interviewed him and you guys did a little back and forth and, and he was soliciting advice from you. There's not many people uh, better to ask advice regarding play-by-play. And I remember what you said, your advice was golden. You said time and score, Jim, time and score. Is that what you would tell me? Is that, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty basic. If you get nothing else, right. (laughs) If you give the score, you're ahead of the game because there's nothing more irritating than fans. and, And I find this to be the case when, when I tune in sometimes, uh, to turn on the radio and you have to wait 10 minutes to find out what the confounded score of the game is. That yeah. should never happen. I, you know, Ernie Harwell, uh, the great Ernie Harwell had a, an egg timer. He had a, like a 30 second egg timer and he would flip it over. And then as it was running out, he, Hey, time to get the score in baseball. Basketball is a little faster paced, obviously. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't let a half court go by without giving the score yeah. uh, one way or the other. And the, the, you can't give it too much. Uh, I know sometimes as an announcer, it seems like, gee, I'm giving the score. No, you can't give it enough. And you can work it in a lot of different ways. But um, that's the big thing. And, and uh, the other thing was back in my days with the Lions and Barry Sanders, uh, it was a great example of not going too crazy. I mean, some of Barry's best runs were like three yards, right? Uh, four yards. I mean, he made some of the moves that were just so you, you've got to temper your excitement. Uh, I know Brian Davis, who was the uh, former voice of the uh, Seattle Supersonics, uh, a friend of mine from Chicago, and he he, he said, uh, and I had given him 
the advice of, you know, temper your excitement. You know, there are areas where things are excitable and you can get excited, but, you know, a two yard run uh, is, is not exciting. You know, it can, unless you're Barry Sanders, but <laughs> for the most, for the most part, you know, you, you have to temper your excitement as well, but keep your energy level up. So it's a balancing act. You got to keep, you got to keep your energy level up, but you also got to balance, you know, not going crazy on every place. I've already experienced some of that. The time and score thing is interesting because I, you do, you know, as you're doing it, it's you're ticking and you're sort of going, okay, I just, it, it feels like I'm doing it a lot. But I think if you figure out ways to vary the delivery, then it won't, you won't sort of have that internal, um, right. That internal repetition that you're thinking about. But, but radio, radio, I love radio and I've done TV, but I, I love radio because you're the artist. You, yeah. you got a blank yeah. canvas every game. And so, you know, you pull out the brushes and the paints and you are in charge of painting that picture. So you are responsible uh, for telling the fans what you think they need to know about a game. And, you know, you could say uh, you could say Jalen Suggs dribbles up the court and passes Terrence Ross. And it would be, a, well, okay, but you can paint that a little differently and Suggs, you know, dodges Jaden Ivey and, you know, whatever it might be. And so it's up, that's what's so good about uh, radio. You're in charge, you paint the picture. That's what excites me. That's what I'm so excited about and, and, and ready to just sort of build and keep on getting those reps in because that's basically what it is. You don't become our champion yep, overnight. Just, just got to get the reps. That's right. Um you know, if, if we're artists, by the way, I want to, I, I do want to say, even though it's been a while ago, uh, Jake filled in for me. I had some heart surgery back in 2016 that knocked me out for, I don't know what it was, a couple of months. And so Jake took over his play by play voice, uh, during that period of time. I'm not sure how many games it was, but it was a pretty good chunk of, of, of games. And, you know, that, that was great reps for you. Little did you know that would come in handy, huh? I kind of had a feeling it would eventually. Um, it was it was an experience that you can't, you know, you, you just can't put a price tag on that. And it was one of those that, Mark, the thing about that was, and this is such a good lesson, I think, for any broadcaster, is I didn't really have time to think about it and get in my own head about it. It happened quickly. All of a sudden, it was a few days later, I was doing a right. call. And yep. I, I think sometimes just jumping in, uh, jumping in both feet is the best way to I think it was the second experience, something I, like that. I believe it was the second game of the season. Yeah, I think you called the opener. And then, Toronto yep. up in Toronto, and that was it. Yep. And we shut her down yep. for a couple of months. Yeah. Well, I um, I appreciate all the advice, obviously, and everything I learned from you over over that experience, and then over the the three and a half years that I was there. If okay, so if we're artists, then then our our brush or our tool is is our voice. And I don't know if you can hear already, Mark, but I'm watching my Guardians on Saturday night, and Oscar Gonzalez hits the game winning base hit, and I'm sitting there yelling in my house, and I had to remind myself, slow down, buddy, you can't do this. Um, how about some practical advice for protecting the old voice over the course of 82 games? That's a good question. I mean, I, I battle, uh, in fact, I'm just getting over a little sinus, uh, allergy type thing. That's, that's the one thing that gets me every year when the leaves start falling, yep. but, uh, you know, the old, uh, uh, tea, honey and lemon always, always works. 
Uh, other than that, I mean, I, I've, I've been very blessed not to have had any issues. The only other time I can ever recall having laryngitis was doing uh, the Lions. We were playing uh, the New Orleans Saints down in the uh, Superdome. And I, and I, I literally had no voice. And wow. so uh, all I did was hand off Sanders two yards, you know, and that was, I did the old Pat Summerall call and uh, let Brandstatter do most of the talking, you know, but other than that, I've been, I've been blessed not to have had any issues with it, but uh, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that'd be a good one for advice, but uh, the, the tea honey lemon thing is always the nice. old, the old tried and true tea honey. And I, mean, I think of nothing else, the idea of protecting my voice and shutting up when I'm not on the air over the course of the season, my girlfriend will be happy about that. So I think that's probably, well, that's here, yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing about that. Uh, you know, your, your voice, it's a muscle. Yeah. That's and, a good point. And how does a muscle, how does a muscle get stronger by, by using it? Uh, so it's not necessarily being quiet. It's just, you know, not yelling and screaming maybe, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it is a muscle I find in the off season, uh, by the time the season rolls around, my voice is not as strong as now I'm 72 years old, so that could be the big reason. But uh, my voice is not as strong as it will be once we start calling basketball. Interesting. Uh, because the muscles starting to work again. And uh, so it's it's definitely, you know, you, you definitely want to use it, but uh, use it wisely. Last thing, um, as far as the broadcasting stuff goes, NBA broadcasting, basketball broadcasting, what is something that I might not be anticipating or something that might trip me up, something that people just don't think about that can be really difficult about calling games? Wow. Well, <laughs> uh, in, in our world of radio these days, it's just where our a lot of the locations are. Yeah. And, of course, in Orlando, you're very high, but you're used to it now. Uh, and uh, you know, that's, that's the one, I mean, there are some locations in the league, uh, in Boston, we're literally in the corner of the arena yep, and there it. are a couple of, there are a couple of spots there where you simply uh, can't see something. And, uh, so there are a few of those, uh, you know, Denver is not a great place. So, but there is not, you know, we yelled and screamed and everything and league beatings, but there's nothing that's that's going to change. So we've all adapted to it. And, uh, you know, I'm, but we're going to New York, uh, and I'm playing the Knicks after playing Orlando and Madison square garden, while it's uh, an iconic building, it, it's a terrible broadcast location, but you know, you learn to, you learn to, to, to live with those things. But, uh, you know, other than that, I mean, it's, it's, there's not a lot of things unless you just don't do your homework and then, yeah. Some guys out on the floor and you don't know who it is but other than that you know it's you know it's uh, funny you, though you've, I was... been, you've been around the league a long time and sometimes in a capacity as a host uh you learn uh you pick up more things maybe sometimes in play-by-play guys because you develop a, a relationship with the with the players uh yeah. a little more so than we do uh and especially during covid uh we we had guys come and go Never, never met him. I know, never yeah. met him. And luckily this year, uh, the league is opening up the locker rooms to us. And, uh, you know, we fly on the same plane with the team and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's hopefully going to get back to the way it was. There's some funny tricks of the trade. Like I, I find, you know, especially depending on what location you're in or if you're calling it remotely, you know, if, if there's a fall and you're sort of looking and you can't see the number. Yeah, I would 
but, yeah, but, that's but, a- but Jeff Turner gave me a great piece of advice. He said, just look for the guy whose hands are raised to the sky. Like, what did I do? None of them have uh, ever committed a foul. <laughs> when Tayshawn Prince was here, he was a classic. I don't know if, <laughs> if you remember seeing it. He would just hold his arms out. And just, when in doubt, but, it's on uh, 22, right? <laughs> I, I would say that that's one. That's a good one to bring up. Uh, I, I would say another uh, thing is, is never to guess. Yes, yeah, especially yep. on injuries, especially yep. on injuries. Just don't guess. And uh, and really the same way on on fouls or turnover, whatever the infraction may be. Less can be more. Uh, unless, in it is, unless it is just obvious. Uh, don't guess, because the more the more you, you know, somebody might be watching on TV, listening to you. They see and they go, well, you moron. It's an offensive foul, can't right. you know? And, and but you're in a position where you can't tell because you're at the top of the building, right? And uh, you know they're they're seeing it from the fifty yard line. Uh, so so that's that's the big thing. It's just not not to guess. Yeah, speculating, and then you, and then the the sound of backtracking on, on what you just said is never that's never ideal. Um, all right. Tell me about the team. It's yeah. I almost feel like you guys are a year ahead of us, right? You got, you got Cade going into year two. You've got some other really exciting young talent. Feels like everybody's excited about Ivy and Duran. Um, and then you go and you make a few moves and bring in some veterans. And so I think the expectations are a little bit ratcheted as opposed to where we are, but obviously a whole bunch of young talent on both teams and, and a lot of excitement in both cities. What are you expecting to see? And, and I guess let's just start with the backcourt. How special can those two guys be? Well, I think there's it's interesting uh, in the preseason. Uh, they're still trying to figure it out. I, I think Kate Cunningham struggled uh, a little bit in the preseason, just figuring out. Okay, am I the primary ball handler? Is Avi the ball? Uh, Ivy the ball handler? Uh, so I, I think once they get that figured out, uh, it could be pretty spectacular. A one-two punch. I mean, Ivy is is so quick, and uh, and he's a good finisher. Um, so I, I think they're, they're going to be something special once they, once they figure it out. Uh, it really hurt when Marvin Bagley went down with the knee. Uh, I, I think he probably would have been the starter at the four. Uh, and, and now he's going to be out three to four weeks. So, so that hurts that may, you know, push ahead, uh, Jalen Durance, uh, performance and he gets in there and plays a little bit more uh, and Bogdanovich started a couple of times in the preseason so that's an option although I, I frankly think he's better coming off the bench uh, but th- but this team is you know they're a year wiser and uh, they still have to clean up the turnovers too many turnovers in the preseason but uh, once they uh, once they do that I think they're going to be a lot better there's something with Cade that feels like if he if he figures this out, whether it's the jumper or turnovers or something else, if he can clean this up or if he can accelerate the 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 learning curve here, it's going to kind of unlock everything else. Yeah, yeah, I, I think once once he you know last year he was just playing, he was just playing right. basketball. Well, now it's a little different because uh, you've got a guy like Ivy who changes the the concept of, of what you're doing. Uh, but, but, you know, Kate's smart enough. He's going to figure it out and then things are going to be great. It's hard to tell. You can't read anything in the preseason. That's no. why I don't get, you know, a team can go four and zero oh, and four. It doesn't matter uh, because you're playing different players, different combinations, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. 
So it, it all starts Wednesday night. That's where we begin to find out what this team is all about. So I'm, I'm anxious. We didn't, you know, Diallo didn't play in the preseason. Uh, Burks didn't play. Knox didn't play until the final game. Noel still hasn't played. So we haven't seen uh, the full complement of Pistons players. We won't now with Bagley out. So uh, uh, that's that's the thing. And it's, you know, that's that's was your situation, has been your your situation for a few years, unfortunately. It can be so tough to when you have so much young talent and then it's, it's the start and stop and in and out of the line, we can build familiarity. And especially with, with, with a backcourt as young as your guys is, um, you know, you, you got to have the same guy setting your screens and, and get used to that sort of rhythm. And it can be really tricky um, when you're sort of learning on the fly, who is everybody excited about it? it is a few years ago, it felt like, uh, beef stew was the guy that, you know, sort of uh, the fans of Detroit gravitated towards for, for many obvious reasons, but is it Duran? I, every time I, I go on Pistons Twitter, everybody's talking about Jalen Duran right now. Well, uh, no, actually it's Jaden Ivey. I mean, I, okay. I think that's, yeah, I think he's, he's the guy that's, uh, uh, I, I think people are pleasantly, I don't know why they're pleasantly surprised, but, uh, cause Duran was uh, a heck of a player. I mean, uh, the thing about him, you stop and think about is his coach in Memphis was Penny Hardaway. And his two assistant coaches were Larry Brown and Rasheed Wallace. That, that, that's pretty good right there. Uh, and I asked Troy Weaver about that. I said, is that a factor in, in why you took the kid? And he said, no question. Yeah. No question. He's, he understands the game, even though he's – I mean, he doesn't turn 19 until uh, the uh, mid part of next month. Uh, he's the youngest player in the league. And if you looked at him, you'd say, whoa, you know, uh, I don't know how much more growing he's got. Uh, but he already has an NBA body, and, and his offense will come. Uh, there's one thing about he he can rebound once he figures out the speed of, of the NBA, uh, and then you know develop his his offense. But right now he is uh, you know a big time rebounder and and uh, takes up a lot of space, guards the rim. So uh, I'm excited about him and and Ivy. Last thing, tell me about Dwayne Casey. He seems like uh, there probably aren't too many better sort of uh, heads of an operation, especially when you got a whole bunch of young guys uh, than Coach Casey. Oh, uh, he's he, he's the best. Uh, players love him, but he's not, you know, he, he. I don't know. I guess you would say maybe he's a player's coach, but I tell you what, he gets after him yeah. uh, in practice. And uh, he just has a knack for developing talent. and. He did that up in Toronto with Siakam. And uh, so he has uh, the ability to take the raw talent or the young talent and, and develop them if, if they'll just listen to him. And uh, uh, Tom Gore is our, our owner, uh, likes what he is doing. Troy Weaver likes what he's doing. Uh, so uh, Dwayne, you know, Dwayne is here for a while and, and has, has done a ter- terrific job. And, and, you know, this, this is the year, it's a little different than the last couple of years. This year, they're expecting a little more, right. Um, you know, this team, there's been some talk, well, maybe a play in situation, uh, you know, we'll see um, this team won 23. So uh, you'd have to win what 35 maybe to get into a play in situation. So can you win 12 more games than you did last year? Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot, but 
you know, we'll see. And our schedule is not the easiest thing in the world. No, Mark, you look at the conference too. I mean, how many teams does it feel like got worse from last year? I mean, there is, there, there are, it doesn't feel like there's a whole bunch of wins when you go through and you look at anybody's schedule. No, there's been only, only a couple of teams, you know, Utah pulled the plug. And uh, so there, there are a few teams that have done so, but other teams, the Eastern conference is just getting, better and better. Yep. Uh, so the Pistons have got to, in Orlando, the, you know, both teams have got to, got to maintain it, stay right with them, not, not drop back. Well, it should be a fun year. It should be a fun opener tomorrow night. Have a great call. Say hello to Rick for me. Say hello to everybody. Uh, I, I, we'll I definitely do. miss you guys. Wish I was out on the road and, but I'll be seeing you when you, when you head down here, thank you again for everything over the course of the years and have a great season, Mark. All right, you too, Jake. Congratulations to you. And welcome back in the Mostly Magic podcast. The Magic and the Pistons getting things started for real this week. It'll be Wednesday, uh, 10 19 at Little Caesars Arena in downtown Detroit. One man who will be there is my guest for the podcast this week. It's a double feature, Johnny. I didn't tell you that. I spoke with Mark Champion as well. So. I got a little Motown double feature action. Johnny is, um, we go we go fairly way back. Johnny's with Belly Sports Detroit, filled in. How many games did you do in place of George last year? 17 to close out the year and then a couple during the year. So somewhere in the 20-ish, 20, low 20s range. So uh, filling in for George, the great George Waha on the call. I was able to listen to a little bit of it. You did a great job. I do want to ask you about that. I want to ask you about the Pistons team. But I also wanted to ask you, you and I were at league broadcasting meetings in New Jersey together um uh this year and we were talking a little bit about the business i think we both have very interesting perspectives i think you and i are both right on that sort of borderline of we're old enough to remember how broadcasting used to be especially sports broadcasting media in general newspapers and terrestrial radio and all of these things but we're young enough that we sort of anticipated as we were coming out what the what the business was going to look like eventually and we've been able to navigate that um, so if you would just introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners down here in central Florida and wherever they may be, um, and just take me through, we don't have to do the whole thing, but just your professional path, how you got to where you are. Yeah. appreciate it, dude. And, uh, nice that we're double dipping. If I'm on in the same vein with Mark champion, we're doing something right, brother. I can uh, Hey, my tie, I, I, my Rolodex is, uh, is strengthened from my time in Detroit. That's for sure. <laughs> boy. Yeah. So I, I got here in, uh, in 2015, so that was the first season I came in. Obviously, once the season had already begun, uh, but that was the first year I came into it. But uh, yeah, graduated from Ohio University and a proud Bobcat alum. Yeah. Uh, though I still do love Ohio State, and a lot of people wonder how I could love one team, even though I went to school somewhere else. And I said, well, I didn't become a sports fan when I was a freshman in college. <laughs> right. Started long before. Very good so, uh, anyway, right. that's just, that's, and especially story. in Ohio, if you went to, I don't care if it's Bowling Green or Toledo or OU or Akron or Kent, you're, yeah. you're generally a, a Buckeye fan. As yeah. Well. You either are, or you aren't. So anyway, uh, but it's not the, it's not a popular choice in Detroit. I'll just put it out there. I just not a popular choice, whether it's Ohio U or Ohio state. So but, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, went to school there and then, uh, bounced around like we all do. Like you talked about, uh, you know, everybody has a unique path and I wouldn't trade mine. I don't think most people would in life. I think people would, would cling to their story, but as you're going through it, it doesn't necessarily align with what your vision, right? So I thought I would graduate from OU 2005, and then I'd be working at ESPN within six months. Didn't play out that way. 
ESPN turned out to be WKAG in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Which turned into Topeka, Kansas, which turned into Kansas City, Missouri, which turned into Detroit, Michigan. So a pretty good tour of the New South and the Midwest. And uh, but grateful for all of it, man, like working in local TV for more than 12 years gave me a great perspective. Um, you know, the one man banding and really grinding, right? Covering, you know, I say grind. Somebody laughed at me one time, like, yeah, you're really grinding, <laughs> but you do grind. I mean, you're shooting your own yeah, stuff. I think that's fair. That's, I, gosh, I see, I see the way people work in local television now. Yeah. I know a lot of them. I mean, that's, I don't care if it's fun what you're talking about. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I say. It's like you can still grind and it's not, I'm not asking for a pity party, but when you were working, you know, when I first came out, my, my salary was 14.6. So that was my gross. My net was 10.8, $10,800 for the year, right? So I'm, you know, I'm 23 years old coming out. So when you think in those terms, you know, my mom came down, I was staying in this little, this old barracks in Hopkinsville. And, and I don't even mean to embellish. It's like, it was truly what it was. And I had a roommate. I paid $175 a month. We didn't have heat in the place. I slept in a sleeping bag on the floor for two and a half years at this little barracks we had Jeez, Jerry. because it was just like, you know, you're just, but you're doing the thing. It was like, I'm doing it. You know, I'm doing the thing. My mom came down and wouldn't even shower in our, <laughs> in our little place because there was black mold, like up the wall. She's like, this isn't, you know, this isn't right. She's like, do they know you have a degree? And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah everybody's well aware. Ma, that this is it. This is like sports broadcasting. And it was heavy, you know, heavy on covering high school stuff. And I covered Austin P state university and, Tennessee Titans was the first NFL game I ever went to all that stuff. So anyway, um, but I loved it. You grind and grind. And then I actually had my first chance to do play by play as a pro at my first job covering a couple Austin P state university men's games. And I think they gave me, and it didn't matter at the time, but it was like 50 bucks a game. And at the time it was like, Hey, I'm getting to call a university game, you know, Ohio Valley conference, game so and generally free food which is which is yeah. probably a big <laughs> it goes a long way at that point doesn't big, it? <laughs> which was big so you know it's it's all that stuff i mean i think back and you know now you're going on you know heck i'm going on 17 years ago or whatever i mean it's i've been at it for a little while just like you and you know anybody else who's listening it's like that may have aspirations it go it does go by quick it's like having a kid you know and they're like don't blink you know they here they are and it's, you know, I look back and I'm like, man, that was my career in its infancy. But I also had some some lessons to learn. And there I was, first job out, didn't know really what I was doing, calling play by play, but I was doing it. And now that I had that experience, it obviously helps, you know, all these years later where it's like, hey, man, I, I cut my teeth. I skinned my elbows. I did all those things with a much smaller audience. And now, you know, it kind of sets, sets the table. What would you say if there was anything that you could point to was your quote unquote big break? Well, I guess when I left, so when I was in, I went from Topeka to Kansas City and I was in Topeka for five and a half years. So I went Hopkinsville to Topeka and I was a sports director there. And really we revamped the whole sports department and I fell in love with Topeka, Kansas, but it's tough in this business to, and I hate to say like become complacent, but you become comfortable. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, as you know, I mean, look in any media market in the country, some people, it's not always just ascending to the next ladder rung. It's, hey, I like it here. I could have a family here. I make a good median income, right? I'm, an, I'm a commodity in the market. And it's like people, sometimes they say, I'm good here. And I never felt the urge to leave because I loved it there so much. And 
but then I was th- thinking to myself, okay, man, you know, five and a half years here, like you got to, you know, take another swing. I mean, I turned 30 already and I was like, man, what are you doing? You're only, you're only two jobs up. I've always found real fast that it's, it's not even complacency is a, a buzzword. I think we use, it's really easy not to feel challenged anymore. And, yeah. and, and I, you know, when you're not challenged, when you show up every day, especially with what we do, you can still do a really good job and you can still be very valuable, but you're not, you're not ticking that box. That, that's why we got into this in the first place. We want to be nervous and a little bit scared before, before the lights go on or the mic opens up, because that's, you know, that's why we're doing this. And after five and a half years of doing the same thing, I don't care if you're in New York city or Topeka, you get used to it. Yeah. Well said, dude. I mean, that that's it. Right. So once you get good at it and you're like, Hey, I'm really good here or what you think is good at it. That's not to sound, uh, you know, um, conceited at all, but it was, you know, Hey, I, I've got this thing the way I want it. It's like building a football program. And then you get another job and you're starting right. over new staff, right. New players. Whatever. So when I got the job in Kansas city at the time, I was the youngest sports director in Kansas city. Well, they, they got me from Topeka. So it was only a move for like an hour away. And I knew a lot of the programs, Chiefs and Royals, Kansas Jayhawks, Kansas State Wildcats, Missouri Tigers. So, I mean, I knew all that. So that was already built in. And but it was like, hey, you're going to be the sports director uh, at the same time. We're gonna, you know, you're still going to take on a lot of responsibilities. You're not like most of the guys would come in and say, and you also have a sports producer to help you and all this. It was like, no, you can do all that. Great. Cool. We're going to yeah. hire you in. Awesome. So that was probably, I mean, cause that was a, it, it was just seemed like a big deal for me. Um, and I worked alongside Len Dawson uh, who just passed, which, you know, still breaks my heart. Um, but I was working with a hall of fame quarterback. You know what I mean? Like played in super bowl one and he's, you know, walking into the office. And I'm like, Hey Len. Uh, I'm- and you're not getting that in Topeka. You're not getting that in Topeka or yeah. in Hopkinsville, you know? So that was kind of, I think when I kind of realized like, okay, you know, you, you can, you've got a little something here, but doing local TV then was, well, I always wanted to just do games. And when I was working at, at a, the news station there, channel nine, I was the ABC affiliate, love the people there always would love the people of uh, both Topeka and Kansas city, but I wanted to do games. I wanted to like, just do sports all the time, not on a slow sports day, help out in news or help out in severe weather it was, well, where's the game? Yeah. Right. And so when you're covering Kansas basketball and like, that's it. Like I covered the 08 national championship and that was like, whoa, you know what I mean? I was at the 2012 final four when it was, you know, Kentucky, Louisville, Ohio state, Kansas in new Orleans. It's like, whoa, this is it. Papa John was walking around. I remember I thought that was a big deal at the time. (laughs) I was like, Hey, that's Papa John. Is that his name? You know? So that was kind of, I was like, man, this is Dawson, Papa John. Yeah. (laughs) I'm basically rubbing elbows with the upper echelon. So, you know, then when I got the job in Detroit is when everything, the floodgates opened for me. Then it was, hey, you're you're doing it. You're doing sports every day. And every day you have a call. It's just about the game, not about anything else, just the game. So I guess the breakthrough moment was kind of proving it to myself that I could do it at a top 50 market. Yeah. Sports director. And then once I broke into the regional sports network, like I said, it's it's been a truly, truly a blessing in my life ever since. And so, so how do you, so how do you describe what exactly you do now? Because you do basically all season for the Tigers as well. Yeah. So we split. So we have, uh, so at Valley Sports Detroit, we do the Detroit Red Wings of the NHL, Detroit Pistons, and then the Detroit Tigers. So of those three sports, hockey and basketball are together. 
I mean, the seasons basically coincide and right. then you have baseball, which is in the off season. There's some overlap there, but so the main guy who does the rink side reporting for the, for the Red Wings. And then there's me who does court side with the Pistons. Once we get to baseball, we kind of split. Got it. Right? That makes sense. So I don't do all 162 baseball games, but I'll probably do 80 of the 82 Pistons games. And then maybe 80 of the 160, you know, two baseball games. So somewhere in that neighborhood. That's um, I mean, that's a full, that's a full yeah, boat. Right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. But it's great. I mean, honestly, but it's games. It's what you want. It's it's yeah. a game after a game after a game. So I don't know if I could do baseball. You and I like that is. I realize it's a little bit different, but it's it just feels like I don't play by play. I think would be absolutely like mind blowing. Like I to be very able tough. to do 162 games. It's very tough. I, I think, and I think when you listen to the good ones, like let's just say for example, you know, watching the playoffs, it doesn't matter how good you are or how good your career is. You know, I saw Bob Costas get catching grief, you know, for his call. He's been uh, catching nothing but grief. Now, Cleveland right? fans, we, you know, right. we, we hated Joe Buck. We, we hated, <laughs> it, it does not matter who like, it is. Joe Buck will do, you know, the premier NFL game and then call, you know, baseball and, and back and forth like day after day. Like, you know how tough that is? But but you catch grief and it's like, okay, he may not be your style or Casas may not be your style. It's, it don't sound sacrilegious to say. Or you like, like uh, you know, Brian Anderson, BA, you know, he's doing NBA and he's doing Major League Baseball. And it's like, okay, I mean, back and forth day after day, you know, it's it's tough. So it's it's two very different disciplines to be able to call, like you said, play by play. You know, sideline reporting is, yes, it's very different. But I mean, you, your, your lines of questioning would be similar to, to the athletes, but you know, it really is. I love doing play-by-play. I know you do too. And it's like to, to one night do this sport next night, do the other and do it well at a high level and still catch grief. It's like, well, never going to please everybody. Yeah, you know exactly. What, I mean? what a good lesson for you and I, okay. Bob Costas and Joe Buck are in, <laughs> can't escape it. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be probably the best lesson is if nobody's complaining, that's when you should yeah. get concerned because yeah, that means exactly. nobody's listening or watching what um, when you filled in last year, obviously it's a little different play by play, but I asked Mark, I was just like, give me some, give me some pointers. What am I, what do I need to know? What caught you off guard last year? What was something where you were like, Oh, I'm ready for this. And then probably there was no chance you would have anticipated it. Um, I would say, so we were fortunate that the majority of the games I got to call were on site again. So as many aspiring broadcasters, when you say, hey, you know, when I was younger, I used to practice in front of my TV, right? A lot of people would say that. I think a lot of people did. I mean, if I watch a game, like if, if like, let's say if I were to watch, uh, you know, Major League Baseball postseason, I don't necessarily sit on my couch and orate the entire game, especially if my girlfriend's over. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> because a little weird. <laughs> You know, it's a little self-serving and let's be honest, you know, she hears enough of it. So, but if I'm on my own, I'll do it. Right. And so I'll, I'll go through that. Well, when, when COVID hit and we were calling games remotely. So yeah. I remember I was doing Pistons, Toronto Raptors, everybody's in Toronto. I'm in Southfield, Michigan in a studio with Greg Kelser. There's a thousand people who could tell you a similar story. But it was, how do you harness the energy? Because you're not hearing all the acoustics and everything and the ambient sound in your headset. It's you, the analyst, a stats guy, you know, sitting 10 feet away, holding up a whiteboard, and you're watching on a television monitor. So 
It's to say, hey, you only get a few opportunities to do these games. Can you do them at a high level and convince everybody at home you're on site? Why can't they? Shouldn't they have piped in Nat Sound for you? To- I think there was, but it's different when you're, you know, when you're in the arena, you feel 100% because you know they're like behind you, right? I mean, when you're at an arena, it's like, you know, you still get a great game experience when you watch on TV, but it, it like if it's you went so to a different. game by yourself as a fan, it's a totally different, everything in your body's different. What you 100%. see is different, what you hear. So I would say that was the one thing where I was glad that I had the practice of doing it at home. Yeah. But then truly that became the practice where it was like, Hey, can you do it? And it was, yeah, I've I've done that before. Now there's going to be a great audience that's watching. Can you do it at a high level? And, you know, jury's still out, but I think we made it through. I, you made it through. I always think too, you know, and, and this might be a good lesson for, for young aspiring broadcasters, like just do it, just freaking do it just jump in because the more you think about it and the, because there's always, always something's going to go wrong. There's nobody has ever put forth a perfect broadcast. And so the more you get in your head about what can go wrong, and this is why I think I'm a good producer and, and behind the scenes programmer, because I do anticipate all the things that can go wrong. But when yeah. it comes time to turn off that part of my brain and, and put on a show, you better, you know, you just got to do it. You just got to yeah. jump in and do it and trust trust everything that's gone into it. And sometimes that can be prep for the, the actual game you're talking about. But a lot of times it's, it's the 17 years and the, you know, the time listening to Joe Tate in the back of the Honda when I'm nine, a lot of it's just up there. Like you yeah, just got to trust it. that you're ready for this moment, period. That's it. Right. So that I always say the people, the great ones, I feel like it courses through your veins. It's different. You know, most of my family, I have three sisters and a brother. I always said if there was never another baseball game played tomorrow or basketball game, it might take them a calendar year to notice, right? <laughs> now, me, it'd be, wait, what? So, but it co- is always coursed through my veins since I was little. Sports always meant, you know, just it was just different, right? So it's just different. So when you talk about the experience, like you had nine years old or whatever, all that stuff is ingrained somewhere. You don't always have to have a great story where it's, you know, where, Hey, I sleeping in a barracks. I mean, that is a great story. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like that doesn't, sometimes it's not a seminal moment that, you know, proves it to you. It's, it's that culmination of, Hey, I probably watched a thousand different basketball games and I've heard Marv Albert and I've heard Mike Breen and I've heard George Blaha and I've heard Jake Chapman, you know what I'm saying? And so you have all that in there. And so when you try to meet the moment, that's to me is, I, I, I truly am obsessed with the prep. And I think, again, a lot of the, the, the ones that, are, that reach a high level are obsessed with the preparation because, as was communicated to me once, call ball, call the ball. So I would, you know, I'd have all these notes, right? And it's like, I got to get this nugget. I got, I got a nugget on this guy. I got all this. The, the longer your eyes are down looking at everything that you've prepped uh, and takes away from what's happening on the field, when that moment hits, Whatever it is, Oscar Mercado or whatever, you know, it's like when that moment hits, you have to call it and meet the moment and not be down at your notes to give some nugget of information. doesn't matter. Yep. Everybody at home doesn't care what you have written down. Meet the moment and give it its due. And then when there's time, you already have it up here. If you prepped well enough, it's like then you can back sell stuff. But so that was the thing for me is like be what just call what you see and trust that you're doing the right way. Don't be looking over your shoulder. Don't wait for the producer to tell you you're doing it wrong. Don't wait for your analyst to wrinkle his brow, call your game and let it ride. You know what I mean? If you're going to go down in this industry, go down, 
you, with your voice, yeah, your cadence, with your approach. I mean, that's not to say don't modify. No, yeah, and don't but, but go go with it. Don't go swear, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> <Have> you, <laughs> Which I have to remind myself. <laughs> No, but that's very well put because I, because I think it can be really easy. Um, you know, not necessarily, you don't over-prepare, but you, if you do over-prepare, then a, you know, you have to over-prepare because there's going to be those games in those moments where you need it. But just because you have, it doesn't mean you got to use it. Like it's supposed to be break glass in an emergency. And if you lose the primary objective, which is call ball and meeting the moment, um, then you're, then you're doing yourself a disservice. And a lot of times, whatever comes out, I don't care if you wrote, this is going to be the greatest catchphrase. And this is what I'm going to use. A lot of times, whatever comes out in that moment is organic. And so that's just you sort of trusting the prep and whatever it is that you put into it. So, um, but it can be hard for, especially for young broadcasters. I think, you know, you and I are from this generation where we watch the explosion of social media and, you and I had to earn our voice and now everybody is handed a voice, which in some ways is good. And a lot of ways is bad. Um, and so I think a lot of people, they just, they sit there and they're just constantly in their own head, comparing themselves with people. And it's like, look, you know, there's no substitution for the work, but if you've, if you put the work in and you're in the right place and you trust yourself then you're going to be successful um, in some manner, I just think it's got to be so much harder for young people to navigate through this business now because of all of those things. I don't think there's any question. And um, but you're right, man. I think there is. And that, you know, there are some guys that I listen to and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show, but like I like your voice, like you have a good voice. Right. Some guys naturally have a good voice. And it's like, hey, have you ever thought about X? Others like I think I have a very pedestrian voice where you would say, well, it doesn't really stand out. You're like, oh, but he says he's got sports running through his veins. And he wants to do this. And you're like, well, that's an uphill climb, son, because I don't have the pipes that, you know, oh, man. Uh, you know, some other guys might have. So and that's no, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not feeling sorry about it, but it was it's like some guys you're like God gives you right the larynx and vocal cords. And it's like, well, why don't you try doing some broadcasting, you know? And then the rest of it was like, well, hey, try, why don't you try to cut through, you know, even, right. though, you even though you didn't play in college or in, in the pros or any of that stuff. But I think you had mentioned about catchphrases and everything else. Look, when we're all younger, uh, I remember I jokingly in a class at Ohio U tagged one of my stories that I had done for one of our news watches, you know, one of our student run telecasts. I tagged it, you know, Johnny Kane, ESPN is a joke. And my professor turned the, like, pause the VHS. Yes, we were using those. Paused it. And he said, what was that? And I'm like, oh, just, you know, Johnny Kane, ESPN. That's not what we are. And I was like, no, I know. I was just messing around a little bit. He's like, why don't you take it serious? And it was, it was like a good lesson for me because huh. I wasn't ready for that. I mean, I, you know, because I was used to watching the Stuart Scotts and some of those guys. It was like, hey, you got catchphrases and you're fun and ESPN. And, like, you know, I was like Sports Center and that was it. That was everything. I wasn't, I, but who was I to think that some, you know, 20 year old college kid that I'm going to start tagging my stories with it like I was ready? You know, hair's hanging low. I'm sure I was burning a cig on the way to class. Like, you know, just living my best life. And it was like, hey, don't be cocky. You know what I mean? Like, take, take it serious what you're doing here. This is Newswatch. You know, whatever you'd called it. So, 
you know, you don't have to have a catchphrase. You know, I know some people, I feel like, well, that's going to separate me. I always say what will separate you are your habits. And then when you meet the moment. So don't try to be different. Don't try to change your voice. Don't try to, you know, come up with something creative about, you know, three different players in this game that, you know, if they hit the game winner, you can go to there. Let it happen. Like it'll sort you, you'll sort yourself out. And if you naturally approach it with the right discipline, right, you know, you know, the appropriate amount of respect and you meet the moment when it happens, it's like, that's how you'll be remembered. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. You, look, I mean, Stuart Scott didn't get to use his catchphrases when he was working in Orlando. And, you know, like Stuart Scott had to get to that level in order. You know, it goes back to earning your voice like you. To me, it, it, I know people who are like, I have the best work ethic. And I'm like, well, you have to prove to somebody to be able to show your work ethic. Right. right. It is an it is an opportunity to be able to prove how hard you work. In, in, in this business that we do. And, and a lot of people are just like, well, as soon as I get my foot in the door, well, getting that foot in the door can be really, really difficult. And it's yeah. so funny though. I, I remember I used to be, when I was in my twenties, I didn't want to be on air at all. I was just going to be a producer or whatever. And I remember I asked this guy that I worked with who had a great radio voice. Hey, how do I sound like you? And he was like, smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is not yeah. advice that i'm giving anybody let me <laughs> let me say very clearly as a yeah. spokesman for the orlando magic i advise nobody to do that um but that was yeah that was that's i think that's probably a good indicator of the difference between when you and i came up in, in the yeah right now. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny but so oh accurate gosh. yeah um all right let's talk pistons a little bit it's it's interesting for me as sort of an honorary old head member of uh, Pistons Twitter to watch. I mean, it took us a long time, Johnny, to get anybody excited about that team in that town. So it just felt sort of rudderless. It felt like last year, everybody was sort of like, okay, let's back off the expectations and the excitement a little bit because it's young and you have Cade and now you have Jaden. Um, I know everybody's excited about Duran and, and uh, some of the other young players. Um, does it feel like maybe fans are, are a little overexcited at this point? Maybe need to, to, to tap the brakes a little bit. Well, if they were, and then they watched the preseason, maybe they, you know, okay. they realized that, Hey, we, you know, this isn't going to happen overnight and nobody promised that anyway. I mean, from the top down, it's a good thing to be excited. You know, I would say that to, uh, you know, hypothetically a Cleveland Browns fan, for example, going into the year, right? I mean, you know, somebody, you say, it's good to be excited. If you go into a year with no expectation, well, what the heck? Yeah, I mean, what are we doing? doing? So, look, there's one team that hangs a banner and everybody else is chasing. And then there are other teams that, you know, when you're waffling in mediocrity for a long time, it can be tough. There are diehards and I get it and I respect the ones that are. But you always want your team to compete. And so, the reality is this roster in its current construct is going to be a ton of fun to watch. Will they be competitive? Yeah. Are they going to win 50 games? Nope. And so there's where the expectation is when people have asked me, Oh, I heard the Pistons are going to be better this year. I said, they will be. Uh, Oh, how many games do you think they'll win? I said, maybe five more. Yeah. And last and that's year, a big won, difference. And that is a big difference. Three games. Yeah. I mean, but that's the reality. It's, it's incremental growth. And you'd say, Hey, you know, in this sport, especially in the NBA, when you watch, you can be competitive and you might be in a two possession game 
with two minutes left. But there's a reason why teams that are ready win those games. Yep. And so we, being the Detroit Pistons, and I hope I'm wrong, maybe aren't quite ready yet to contend for a top playoff spot. Is a play-in spot a realistic uh, expectation or a realistic hope? Yeah. Uh, you know, should we be fighting for a playoff spot? Yeah. But look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, and I know you know this. So everybody pulled the schedule out, and then you look at the 82 games, and you say, okay, circle them for me. Like somebody said to me, hey, man, I think we'll win 40 games. I said, circle them. Yeah. You know, because who else regressed in the East? Not a lot. Everybody nope. that's, that's that much closer to the title tried to make offseason moves to get that much closer to, you know, to being Boston, to being Brooklyn, right, to being Philly. So, you know, where do we, you know, where does Detroit fall in that? Where does Orlando fall in that, right? I mean, you know, we're in different stages of the restoration process. So I think it's going to be a fun year. I don't think expectations are too much. People want to watch competitive basketball and they want to watch young players you can believe in. And we have that young core, that young nucleus, likable guys, athletic as all get out that will compete. We might lose a lot of tight games and might not win 50 games, but it'll be a watchable product. No doubt. I think Casey helps. I think Weaver helps. I think they've both done a good yeah. job of, um, of garnering some of the goodwill. Obviously when you get the top pick, everybody's going to be excited. He delivered on expectations. And then, you know, you ended up with a pick in a draft where it was, you know, it felt like, okay, Jay Nivey is kind of perfect here yeah. um, in a spot where maybe, you, you, you know, what the fifth pick can be, that can be a little bit different from year to year. Is Would you say Ivy is the guy that everybody is just like sort of over the moon about right now? Yeah. It's, that I mean, I it's... Mean, we're we, supposed we, to get him at five. I mean, I would have said even going into the draft, that's no knock on Boncaro or Chet or anybody else. But I said for this particular team, if we picked anywhere between one and five, I would have taken the highlighter and gone over Ivy a couple of times. Now it's yeah. me and I'm not, I'm not making those decisions. So I remember I was in Phoenix. I think it was in Sedona. No, I was in Sedona, Arizona and I'm hiking in a mountain when I found out we got, we got him, whatever. Nice. And I was like, Whoa, you know, and I'm like flipping out in the car and my girl's like, you know what? I'm like, Jaden Ivy, <laughs> like we got him. So he just, you know, with his, you know, his, his DNA I and mean, he's got Detroit in his DNA. Yeah. You know, he says he wants to be a piston for life. You know, a lot of young guys say stuff that, you know, the fan base will eat up. But I mean, like with his mom's ties here, his grandfather, you know, played here, the Lions. I mean, it's like, it's legit. You know what I mean? So he wants to be here uh, and fans are stoked. And when you watch him, you know, you'll see him up close. I mean, he's, you know, he's not quite there yet, but he's got stuff you can't teach. You know what right. I mean? Like, Special player. And I do think, and we can end on this. I do think there's a, there is something unique about a guy that, that Detroiters are excited about, or at least that Detroiters think gets us. And it doesn't have to be all the history. There are some guys who come in from Texas, Cali, Florida, wherever, sure. but, but, but feel like they sort of get that. And it's, I, I hate when it's like, Oh, you lunch pal, blah, 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 blah. But the, yeah. there's a, there's an element of toughness. And this goes back to the eighties and the, in the bad boys that like that there's, there's something that they expect from their Pistons yeah. and, and some guys get it and some guys don't. And, uh, and it seems like Ivy sort of, he gets yeah. it. That's a great way to say it, man. Look, I, I've worked in some good sports towns, you know, uh, you know, Topeka, um, Shouts <laughs> but, <out. laughs> but 
you know, and, and uh, you could go anywhere across the country, right? I've got friends that work in Philly, Chicago, Pittsburgh, all that stuff, you know, they're great sports towns everywhere. Atlanta's, you know, I, I haven't lived there, but, you know, I'm sure it's, you know, good, great sports town. We have our moments. Yeah. You know, so all I'm saying is with Detroit, there is an expectation, right? So when I came in, I grew up a hundred miles from Detroit and I grew up South of the border in Ohio. So, you know, again, that's, you know, that takes some warming up. People got to warm up to me. But <laughs> what I'm saying is I grew up watching the bad boys. So I, I understand what, what, you know, what Detroit DNA is, right? Well, half my buddies in high school were diehard Detroit Lions fans. You know what I mean? My aunts and everybody, everybody loved the Tigers. You know, it's like there is a, there is a love affair with their sports teams in Detroit. And to your point about the right attitude of their star players, Barry Sanders, Isaiah Thomas, right? I mean, there are guys where you say, yeah, right? Stevie Y, like, yeah. So who is it in this iteration of the Detroit Pistons? Who's that guy? Kate has done a great job of being kind of the torchbearer on that. Now you bring in his cohort, you know, it's almost like Batman and Batman. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> now you have Kate and Jaden in the same backcourt. And it's like, man, who do you love more? You're like, both. Yes. So both of those guys kind of have that, you know, within them where it's like, yeah, that's a guy that I can get behind. When in doubt, put on some buffs. And that's like, I feel like that's all. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's easy peasy. That's it's a wrap. Um, well, it was, uh, it's great to catch up with you. It was great to catch up with you in Jersey. I'm glad we could do this. I'm hoping at least one or two aspiring broadcasters will get uh, something useful out of what we discussed here today. Um, best of luck to you. Um, we'll see. You. I think, I don't think you guys come down this way until, until like March or April or something like that. Maybe February. Yeah, so. I think March, maybe. Um, all good, man. Well, I appreciate it, dude. Godspeed and uh, continued success in all you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. Johnny K, what's your Twitter uh, Twitter handle for people who want to follow along? Um, I think it's at Johnny C. Kane. Johnny C. Kane on Twitter. The great Johnny Kane, Valley Sports oh, Detroit. Uh, it's at Johnny Kane TV, if it matters. How do, you, how, <laughs> how do you not know off the top of your head? You really are. You really are just My an old-time television broadcaster. I love it. He's like, uh, oh, good. appreciate the plug. Yeah, Ron Burgundy over here. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, have a good season. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, brother. Take care. All right, there he is. Johnny Kane. Jake Chapman here with you. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. We're back next week with another edition. Have a great week, everybody.